Hey there, everybody. Welcome to The Game of Your Life, the show that celebrates nostalgia, everything nerdy, and my favorite medium, video games. This week, we've got a special guest, a guy who's close to my heart, my friend, Matty Pye. Matt, welcome to the show. I thought I told you to introduce me as the greatest man of all time, the one true hero, the master of video games. He's completed more than three video games in his life. It's Matthew Prince, but you know, my friend is good too. It is hilarious because before we recorded, I did ask like, what do you want for your intro? And then like within five minutes, I forgot about all of it and was like, oh, it's Matty Pie. He's here. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, I, I did say you don't need to introduce me as anything. I don't want to start this podcast off uh, as the heel, but. Man, it's good to see you. It's been so long. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. I should say, Matt, you do co-host one of my favorite podcasts. It was on my podcast of the year list earlier this year, Your Bad Childhood. It's very similar to this podcast. I sort of stole the idea from you guys, bold face, except it's just video games. Yeah, to, to be clear, we stole the podcast from podcasts, so. Just the idea of podcasts. Sort of the circle of podcast life. Oh, yeah, we talk about old things. Uh, we sort of shoot the shit for the first little bit. It's not really, we don't really go too in-depth on the subjects. Uh, we don't do any research. Uh, yeah, it's very. It's a very unique concept. Yeah, you guys really <laughs> broke the mold with that one, and I just had to jump on board. <laughs> I think so. Uh, honestly, though, I was thinking about it today, and I think the big thing with our friendship is that we were former roommates, and that that does feel like yesterday to me you know what i mean yeah it was it was a, a a crazy situation uh where i had gone through a breakup and your roommate was moving back to montreal or something like that and it all worked out to where we lived with each other in this dingy little basement suite for a year <laughs> uh just watching each other play video games yeah and saying hi to each other once a day be like oh hey bud hey bud Okay, see you, bud. <laughs> uh, it, it, it really was serendipitous. It's almost like you feel like a bad friend, but when you're like looking for a roommate and you're like, Maddie just had a breakup. This is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was weird. I kept seeing these notes posted on my door saying, Descharm's roommate is moving out. I, I'm not sure what that was, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was great, and at the time, I I wouldn't have had you pegged for a gamer at all. I don't know why. Uh, like we didn't, we never talked about it. I guess mm -hmm. so. That was all I was going off of. So when you showed up with a PS4, I mean, <laughs> anyone who's moved in with a friend that has a console knows the feeling of like, fuck yeah, that's like three hundred dollars I could have spent. It's one of those things where I know I have my failings as a roommate, but showing up with a TV and a PlayStation, that bought me so much goodwill. <laughs> yeah, and I, I feel like we worked well together. Because like, the fact that we speak this friendly together, to me, means it was a sex, su eh, successful roommateship. Cause there's... And the sexful roommate. Yeah, and too. the sex was great. That, <laughs> that didn't hurt. <laughs> But you know, you know what I mean. Like I've had a lot of friendships turn into non-friendships just through bad living situations. And I didn't think that was ever us. Yep. And I, I wouldn't even classify either of us as great roommates, but we were shitty in the same ways. So I don't think we ever tread on each other's toes. We understood the space and we treated it accordingly. <laughs> yeah, the house, the house didn't deserve any respect, and I think that helped. <laughs> no no the house the landlord neither no the only way i she's been described to me as just an angry alcoholic yeah and uh that sort of she she came through sometimes and she would send her like budget repairman to like stick his finger down our sink to try to unclog it yeah just the most unprofessional living situation you could imagine dude in hindsight i'm pretty sure that was just like this drunk former plumber that she was sleeping with at the time i think so <laughs> uh, there was not there was nothing official about him there was no decal on his van he just he just showed up and was just like i'm not getting paid a lot for this so i'm not gonna do much sorry to say <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm like well i don't blame you because i've never met the landlord and that's just the way i like it and then you when we moved out you and Lulu. Lulu especially. I mean, cheers to Lulu for all she did to get us our security deposit back. Oh my god, dude. I was thinking about that. Like, that was the first time I'd ever met the landlady, and I'd only ever heard the same thing about her. She's an angry, drunk lady. Yeah. And at the same time, the girls that lived upstairs were sort of trying to move their own friends in and, like, swindle her. I, I, I hope... 
I don't think they'll ever listen to this. But <laughs> they, they full on like they had me lying to her face and like sort of expecting. I think they were putting all the risk on my plate and then expecting me to lie to this lady. And I was just like, all I'm concerned about is getting the safety deposit back. That's literally it. The next person could be paying three thousand dollars a month for all we care. We want our what? 600 whatever it was yeah or like 300 each yeah and like i don't i don't know how we got it back we both moved in without her even knowing Mm -hmm. she she thought that there was a girl living downstairs and didn't know there was a cat (laughs) and the cat and the cat had like thoroughly had its run of the place like you could tell there was a cat there (laughs) that's for sure he had like fleas multiple times you used the, the bathroom window as, like, an entrance door. We just had to leave the bathroom window open, like, in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> it was so cold in that bathroom, but we had to leave it open for the cat. Yeah. Like, well, damn, it is cold, but if we close it, the cat could freeze to death, so. <laughs> right. The cat was more important than us, and we both realized that. Maybe that's, like, what made the roommate relationship so successful. The common goal of keeping this cat alive, no matter how much Bronson tried to get himself fucked up. <laughs> yeah. By other cats and raccoons. <laughs> what a mess. Yeah. No, it really is. It's one of those periods <laughs> that I look back into my life, and I'm, I'm so happy it happened, but it's almost like crazy that it did happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like we can we can look back fondly, but it was a whirlwind of a year. And then we both just sort of like at the same time we're just like, yeah, we're we're out of here. We're completely done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we both we both ended up moving in with nice ladies that we're still with to this day. And I think that's like pretty sick. It is. We're like, save us save us from this dark chasm, please. <laughs> yeah. If left to our own devices. I think I feel like the, the next place you went to is really cool. That that basement suite that had like this little nook for you guys. Or like it was the whole house, but you guys had the basement, right? Was that it? No, it was a really nice place for what it was. Um, the only weird part is the shower was in like the hallway, <laughs> so like y- you couldn't you couldn't come down to the basement if if like one of us was taking a shower, we'd have to like put up obstacles on the staircase to let people know. <laughs> so, I mean, but this is one of the most expensive cities in Canada, and we were splitting like $400 a month. Like, each of us were paying $200. Oh my god, I remember that. I forgot how cheap that was for you guys. And we went over for that party, and we are just like, we want this. This place looks great. It's 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 a perfect little party house. Yeah, it was sick. I mean, we I think we saved the bulk of our money just living there, and that 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 was crazy to me. I mean, come on, that's perfect. And that party actually, that's that's one of the last like horrific hangovers that I had was the day after that party. I remember it. Really? Has that sort of sustained you hangover wise? Have you do you use that as your memory to not drink as much? Like what what's your what's your drinking situation like? Honestly, the lockdowns ha- has me good for drinking uh cuz I only ever really drank socially like going out and stuff and you know, like, I love drinking. Being drunk and doing comedy is one of my favorite things. I mean, if you're sober, I, I, I could imagine it being way harder. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, for this period, it's been great. But back then, that was, like, it, it's, like, in my top ten worst hangovers ever. And I remember that I had to host SummerSlam the day after. Because I was working at 12 Kings and hosting the wrestling shows. Right. And... I, it was one of those hangovers where we were just throwing up like uncontrollably the next day. And that sort of lends well to like the, the SummerSlam aspect of it because it's sort of like a low-key event, right? Sort of, I guess, yeah. It's just always awful when you're like, I, I hope I stop throwing up so I can go to this bar and like drink and watch wrestling soon. That'll that'll teach you some sort of lesson. There's a lesson there. I'm not sure what it is, but uh, there's something there, I think. Yeah, it's funny. When they say there's a lesson, they always assume that you'll learn it. <laughs> Where it's like, oh, there there was a clear lesson here, and it went right over his head, and then he continued living the way he always did. It's, it's, it's just complete shithouse luck <laughs> with the pandemic happening that the drinking stopped, not because of the lesson. Yeah. You know, I did have friends, I had friends flat out say to me, like, when they knew I was leaving for England, they're like, man, with the liquor laws over there, like, I feel like you're going to hit rock bottom. 
And they'd say that, like, to my face, and I'd be like, really? That's a nice thing. Yeah, like... Yeah, that's sort of what you say to a friend, is just like, now that you're leaving, I just want you to know that I'm thinking... <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm just thinking... <laughs> yeah, comedians have a way of saying things to you that they should only ever say to people they're close to. But... Because they're comedians, they're not close with anyone, so it's just yeah. They'll say uncomfortable, over the line things to strangers all the time. <laughs> oh, that seems nice. Let's explore that. But hey, so I w I wanted to get into gaming a bit here. Obviously, this is a video gaming podcast, and even though you were a guy with a PS4, like, did, would, have you ever considered yourself like a hardcore gamer at all, or have, are you always like a casual gamer, or what would you define yourself as? I have a weird relationship with video games. Because I want to be a gamer. I really do. I want to be known. I don't know why. I've, I don't like. You should just like video games or not like video games. What a weird thing to want to have people think you as. But no, it's I. A badge of honor. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I want to be a gamer. And then I really struggle getting into games. I have this weird this weird wall in my brain where if something doesn't catch me right away, I just stop. So I have like probably a 10 or so five to $10 video games on my switch that I played for a second and was just like, <laughs> no, this is, this is not going to stick. So I'm not even going to try. It's so stupid. What a waste of money. So I end up, I looked at my PlayStation four stats over the last year and my number one video game was FIFA 20. And my number two video game was uh, FIFA 21. And then my number three, my number three was like two hours of this video game called Chariot. I don't even remember playing. <laughs> wow, it got you for two hours though. It did. It really had the staying power. It was like, it was like the start of the pandemic. I wanted to do co-op games with Caitlin. So we did Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time and Chariot. And Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, I mean, great game that 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 was so much fun but i don't know i never played that it, it's a great co-op game uh it you have to be pretty nimble and it's great if you have say yourself and lulu i don't know if lulu plays many video games but i found it was a great dynamic to have like i had to try to be like the rock and like do more things and have caitlin like focus on on one target i think it it, it is a challenging enough game that offered like offered a, a great team dynamic, uh, even if you, you could play it if you're not great at it. So long as you're playing with one person who, I don't know, I don't want to call myself great, but I at least, you know, I could do a couple things. That's code for if you're playing with your girlfriend who can't play video games, <laughs> this still is fun. <laughs> who who doesn't have, say, the, the hand-eye coordination that we have by playing on seven different consoles growing up <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah we played um castle crashers together over the over the lockdown oh yeah i never heard of that one castle crashers oh i could have sworn you it was like one of the Newgrounds original games it's just like a beat em up side scroller and uh oh yeah it's great it's like awesome just like a yeah like you said a simple easy to pick up game that's like a lot of fun so we were doing that, and I wanted to get Pikmin 3, but it's like a full-price release. I don't know if it's any good. And... I can't remember the last time I paid full price for, for a video game. <laughs> Even if it's like 5% off, I'm like, yeah, this is this is the right time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do what you did too. Like on the Switch, I, I will buy a game, and if it's under £5, I'm almost like, even if this is shit and I never play it, it's such a low bar that, like, it was worth the risk of buying it almost. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just, like, this could be fine. And I find that that's actually... It seems like a good strategy, but there are just so many misses. Mm -hmm. I'll start playing it and, like, oh, the com the combat system is bad. Oh, I guess I won't play it then. And I think, like, in terms of my relationship with video games, I've it's been a recent struggle over the last five years being able to get into a game and also like figuring out what I actually like about video games. And I was talking to our friend Josh and I think it's just that I want to be able to go to towns and sell my wares. That's like all I need in a video game. <laughs> everything else, everything else is just sort of like in between towns, get me to a town and let me do the quest for the townsfolk. Like we played the, you played the witch, you beat the witcher. I got, I got close to the end and stopped playing 
and it's still one of my favorite games of all time. But there's just I just have this like weird disconnect where I have trouble starting games and I especially have trouble finishing games. If I love it, I'll get to like the last boss and I just won't finish it. I'm I'm just all kinds of fucked up. <laughs> I remember you explaining that to me once and that like it, maybe it is the closure or the saying goodbye to this big open ended thing that makes it tough to beat. And I sort of do understand that because especially with games like like Crosscode's a great example that we're going to get into later. But like when it's finished, I feel like I want to keep going. And then if I start a new game plus like as an option on this is still it isn't the same thing. I like. I want more of what I just played, and it isn't that. Yeah, if like every six months I could get a new campaign mission. There's just something about finishing the game and the end game content. There just aren't any stakes. It's like it's like uh, for wrestling fans out there, it's like going to a house show versus <laughs> going to like a, either a pay-per-view or a weekly episodic show, Raw or SmackDown, and it's like... You can go to the house show and it's going to be fun wrestling, but there's just no stakes there. There isn't any storyline progression. And that's my biggest problem with Endgame and going through it again is I feel like the stakes are just gone. Mm-hmm. I'm not discovering anymore. There's there's not there's not that storyline progression. So lots of struggles with video games. And that's why like I'm so happy to come on to talk about CrossCode because it's a game that just completely got me, just wrapped me up and offered me everything that I loved about video games. And I'm like desperate to search for games like it. And I just, I can't find it so far. I'm glad you feel that way. I feel the same way. And since we're bringing it up now, let's just get right into it. It's the breakdown. Maddie, let's get into the game of your life. Crosscode, released on the computer September 2018, and then console July 2020, developed by Radical Fish Games, began as an Indiegogo campaign in 2012 and then finally came out. It's an action RPG with 16-bit SNES-style graphics. You play as Leia, a mute avatar playing in an MMORPG called Crossworlds. Maddie. What did you think of this game? Oh, how much time have you got? I should I should I should structure it better. Like <laughs> so I think we were both recommended this game by the same person, uh, your podcast co-host Josh Custodio. Yeah, my colleague. <laughs> your colleague, yeah. And I I I forget how the pricing structure changes, but for over here it was like 17 pounds, which is like maybe a half price game. It's like a very easy purchase. I have like a Rolodex of games that have been recommended to me. So whenever I see them on sale, I'll buy them. Like if they're recommended to me, they're probably going to be good. But again, it's just a matter of I need at least 5% off if I'm going to pull the trigger. I really am the same way. I got this one at like 15% off. Yeah. It's like, oh, I saved so much. No, it's still like 20 bucks after all is said and done as opposed to 25. You really, you saved a coffee there. Good job, buddy. Yeah. You saved, you saved the amount that would a shitty game that you'll never play would cost. Exactly. Which I bought probably the next day. But anyway, no, I, I think it was around the same thing. 15 to 20 bucks. It was on sale. And as far as my general impressions go, I think I said it before, it's just like one of my favorite games that I've ever played. Uh, And I finished it. To my credit, I actually finished a video game. And I think that's just full credit to how, like, how captured I was by it. Mm -hmm. Usually I don't have trouble finishing a game, but it's when I'm really focused on it. This time, at at the time I was playing this, I was playing so many games and I actually did... um, put it down for a bit Uh, it was during the second temple i kept i was just getting my ass kicked and i picked up a second game and that can be trouble because when you're in the middle of a hard part of a game and then you put it down for a bit and then try pick it back up it's like oh now i'm twice as lost like now i don't even remember what i was doing beforehand josh and i played uh is it destiny is that the game you guys play the the second not destiny what's that game that co-op game that you guys have been playing every odd saturday oh uh divinity divinity close so we played the first divinity together and we got really stuck somewhere and kept we just got to a place where we couldn't get past so we're like let's put it down we'll pick it up another time and i think the next time we tried picking it up was just like where are we we know we're stuck we're super frustrated we have no idea what to do and we never played it again and that's that is a curse if you put the video game down in a maybe 
not maybe at a boss is fine because you can pick it up and try beating that boss again sometimes it just takes a good lucky run at it but if you're like mid temple and you're at a puzzle that's very confusing and there's like four different doors around you and you pick it back up that could just be the kiss of death because you're like there are too many doors and not enough time and I have other video games that I can play. So that's good Good on you for picking this back up because some of those temples just got hairy, super hairy. Yeah. Yeah, it's so weird with video games because, like, I'm always like, I want a challenging game. But then if it's too challenging, I'm, I'm almost subconsciously like, well, fuck this. I'm going to play something more fun and instantly gratifying <laughs> as opposed to, like, yeah, for sure. Digging my heels in and just fucking, you know, getting past the hard part. Sometimes it's due to the video game's writing right Uh, writing and and just like overall tone it's the same as a tv show you can have a tv show that's like super depressing but it has to have some redeeming qualities and some hope to bring you in some modern television shows are they're just like they're just constantly hitting you over the head thinking this is what you like right you like gritty and it's like no we like gritty but we like you know we want a character in this show that we can root for, regardless of how depressing it is. And sometimes that just misses the mark. So, like, if something is just brutally difficult and doesn't have, like, that satisfaction of beating a big boss or, like, a, a pretty clear uh, path of how to get past certain hard parts, like, if it's just too hard, it's like, what's the point? What's the... Mm-hmm. where is that where's the fun in this <laughs> like i'm just not a big fan of hard video games but i know that like you said people who enjoy hard video games there's still like there's challenge and then there's just like punishment <laughs> yeah the, the line between being challenged and being frustrated is so thin and i also feel i feel like a loser when i look it up online where i'm like i'm like i know there are children somewhere in the world beating this without the help of a guidebook and i can't do it and it sort of breaks there's a uh there's like a a glass that shatters once you do that you're so in the video game that once you look it up it's like oh i feel like i'm cheating like you want to be able to figure it out yourself and so a video game that can be challenging but that you can at least like with crosscode crosscode was so good at just like allowing you to just try keep trying different things if you died you just went back to the beginning of the room you had ample options to to reset in like the puzzles i don't know if you want to set up the game more before i get too into it but it was just like if i got stuck on a puzzle i knew that i could just try a different method and or or like like if it could just be that I need to adjust the arc of my sphere throw and suddenly it's a, it's a completely different outcome. So I never felt like I never felt like I couldn't figure out how it was more the execution that was really tough because you had to be so precise and I can appreciate that. Like, okay, I can do this. I just need to do it really well and I'll get by it, which was a, which was a, there's a difference, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm glad you asked if I'm going to break it down. Cause on the last episode, I sort of broke down with uh, me and Mike Noble. We're talking kingdom hearts and I, I sort of broke down the four pillars of what I think makes a great game. And if these four qualities are good, the game will be good. And, uh, last time I started on storyline and character, but, since we're already sort of into it, uh, let's just start on gameplay. Because that's one of the pillars of game gameplay. And the first question I always have with the game is, is it fun to play? Like, is this am I physically having fun? Can I, like, sort of drift away into it and lose myself having fun in this game? And with this game, I'd say yes, for sure. I, I definitely, like, just between the style of game... Um, you mentioned spheres earlier. In, in this game, you're sort of playing uh it's like a fictionalized massive multiplayer online game and your class is already pre-decided for you so you're what's called a spheromancer and that means your projectile is just these spheres that you throw and it's perfect it makes for like a really fun gameplay because you're either you're either attacking melee or attacking with your spheres and i think it's like a, a lot of fun yeah exactly it's just like the actual physics of the game the moving around the the ability to choose between ranged and melee uh i would say yeah this game is just fun to play it's fun to move around and i think a a great thing about the skill tree 
is that uh, lots of the improvements can just be to the physics of the game. So you can choose to build a class that just is more precise. It takes less time when you move your arrow to aim. You can have one that just takes way less time and it's just more precise. So as the game progresses, your character seems to grow into it uh, if you choose the right skill tree, which just adds to the fun of it. It's like, oh, I'm a well-oiled machine now. And you get to know like the different attacks and like I I I prioritized my specials to be like these wide arcing hits if I need to just sort of like clear a room real quick. And you could change that to having the more pointed focused attacks for bosses. And you could change it mid-game. You can say, okay, I'm gonna change from this wide arcing hit to the focused beam. And it's just like Oh, I'll jump in here quick, because I, I think what you're describing is um the level up system is what did they call it a circuit board i think yeah it looks like it ba basically like uh think final fantasy 10 if you will like your level up is you have a bunch of different paths every level up gives you a point in each uh level of the circuit each temple you beat gives you a different uh, element and the, that's a different side of the circuit i hope i'm explaining that properly but the point is, like you said, you can uh, there's either melee attacks, shooting attacks, guards, or or dashing, and based on how you play the game, you can sort of level up your circuit board in different directions, and it makes you like it does change how you would play the game, and I love that about it. Um, I yeah, it's it's amazing. I I didn't really like I don't know about you I didn't have a preference with the elements. I found them I used them all pretty equally between the fire. What was it? Fire, ice, wave, and lightning, I want to say? Yeah. Fire, ice, wave, and lightning. Wave is like a, I guess, like a telekinesis. And lightning is just pure shock. I think, like, as you get through the game, you start to realize that uh, different enemies have different weaknesses, which is the one use, one of two uses of the element system, which is... You, when you hit somebody, you can see their damage, and it will have either neutral or an up arrow or a down arrow. So you could be fighting somebody with your wave because it's an attack that you like, but you'll see that there is a down arrow, so it's doing less damage. So your mind, logically, uh, it's sort of like a, a fire and ice are contradicting, and so are wave and shock. So if wave doesn't work, if wave is bad, you can bet that shock will be good. This person is more impervious to shock. So you switch over to shock. All of your special attacks are now different. They're, they're completely different. Every element has its own special attack. And I think it's just like such a intuitive system that way where it's like you really have to be on it if you're fighting at like a high difficulty when it's like you have to be very cognizant of what isn't working and then change it and know that once you've changed your special attacks you have to remember what they do which can sometimes be you can sometimes be like i'm going to drop a mine and then be like oh no wrong wrong one i'm just dashing very far away and spinning oopsie <laughs> yeah and it's tough because a lot of the battles are just straight up battles and it's just based on how good you are at their battle system. But a lot of them almost, the, the battles become puzzles themselves. Like if you just learn a new element, the, there will be a puzzle element in the boss battle where you have to use your newfound skill to be able to lower the enemy's shield. Yeah. And I I do love shit like that because it, it makes it different. It doesn't just make, like any game, any game where you can just, button mash and beat the boss is like eventually becomes no fun whereas like you actually have to do the skill they just made you learn to be able to pass it yeah and then what i what i also love about it is like you also can't just use your most powerful move over and over and over again like your circuit can override and if you use if you're in the elemental zone too long your circuit will break and you just have to go into a cooldown. yeah and now you have your neutral element which is doesn't take up any energy but you have less health and do less damage and if you're in a boss fight and you're trying to kill him and you overheat and your health is low it can just be like the most panic inducing moment in in any video game just like dashing away and sometimes the dash system it doesn't it's not like uh, I don't know if dark, I don't play many, but I know that you can just roll forever, right? You can just keep rolling, mm -hmm, pretty much. Or, or like uh, the the Witcher, the Witcher, you can roll forever. 
and this one you have three dashes and then you can have a power up that gives you four an additional one which is that's a total total like oh and once you get that fourth one it's like you feel like you can just run for miles and so that's another one that that panic but it's like it's not a bad panic it's like you're it's an excited panic uh you're like please get me away from this boss and you know you can you, it can still be frustrating but it's uh it's so much fun and how much do how much do puzzles play into this section uh, of the enjoyment uh of the enjoyment or enjoyment sorry i didn't hear you enjoyment yeah of uh, of this like cuz i feel like we we've talked about the the combat but i i almost feel like the the puzzle aspect of this game even even just like going through like uh, the paths between towns and trying to get to the treasure chests by jumping <laughs> jumping across different platforms like every part every puzzle aspect to this game just felt like it it hit so hard and and helped me enjoy it so much more yeah i if you wanted to call this like a puzzle like an action puzzle rpg i don't think anyone would complain because the for one the temples are all just massive puzzles like the they every different temple will have a different section where you have to use uh, the new skill you just learned but all of them have the same function where there are these pillars that you either need to turn or freeze before you hit them or like just put them in order and usually a temple would end with just one massive room and what what i love about this game is right away you'll walk in and see what the game expects you to do and it'll feel so daunting. It'll feel like there's no way I can actually pull this off. There's too many moving pieces. And I, I've spent like an hour, like I must have spent oh, well over an hour near the end of the game just fin fixing these puzzles. But when you actually pull it off, it's like those those old uh, videos you used to see of uh, people like setting up a whole set of systems in motion to get their coffee machine to start yeah that's i uh it starts with an r i think it's not rubik's but it's something similar where it's like this uh just this contraption where different events set off different events like you throw a golf ball down and it hits it lands in a yeah, cup that yeah, tips i'm over. so glad you you knew what i'm talking about i know it's the the, the bravery honest mistake music video yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Whatever that's called. But it, it felt so satisfying when you actually beat it. And the temples were such a perfect mix of these puzzles and then tough enemy battles and usually very rewarding boss battles. Uh, the last temple especially having that, uh, the like lion with the, the whale on top of the tree that you fight is, to me, that's like an all-time excellent boss battle that i'll never forget i think one of the one of my problems that i had was that i thought i had to level up quite a bit to start the last one they made it seem like it was going to be so hard and i think i was over leveled because i was just i was like so strong and the and the whale boss i was just like i had i had this system where i had my energy my wave uh special that drained the enemy health and I also had all of my armor being health regenerated. So every 60 seconds, I get like 60% of my health back or something. So I was just so, so stacked to just like go th get through boss battles. Like I wasn't that strong, but if somebody hurt me, I could just sort of like run around, regenerate. And every time I hit them, I would take their, their health. So I sort of... I it ended up the end ended up being almost anticlimactic because of how strong I was and because it wasn't as challenging. That's why the maybe that's why the last my lasting impression of the puzzles, like you can't overpower yourself to be better at puzzles. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's no way around just how fucking difficult it becomes. But that I I sort of love what you did though. So that's like a really difficult build. But I, if you were to do that on purpose the whole point would be that like it pays dividends at the end mm -hmm. and that you're laughing. So I guess that's sort of sick too, that like that's even an option. Yeah. Right. There's, you could be like this super strong or super fast or just like resistant to elements. And I just put all of my eggs in the regenerating basket, And because I found that I would just like, I would get to low health 
and then have to use potions that took like five seconds to use. The most fr frustrating part of the game was like trying to run away from these little minions that would just run and hit you for 10 damage so you couldn't drink your potion. <laughs> oh, dude. And I, I love like any classic RPG. The, the only food I was eating was sandwiches <laughs> and the sandwiches would like get better. <laughs> so you'd be like a high sandwich to like, I think there was like a chief sandwich to like, and they just got better and better and better. There's like Mega Chef Sandwich. Uh, there's the Cross Sandwich. <laughs> oh, Chef. I was thinking Chef. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chief de Cuisine. <laughs> did, you, did you think the side quests were worthwhile in this game? Or did you think they were done well? Because I, I had points where at some when when you first go into a city, like you said earlier, that's the first thing you look for. But then it sort of felt like, if I even leveled up a level past the recommended zone, it would be completely not worthwhile. The reward gets sort of sliced in half and it wouldn't be worth doing. Or, or the game isn't worth like 100%ing, I guess, it felt like. How did you feel about that? I actually felt pretty good about the the side quests. There was something in me that wanted to unearth them. Like they weren't always obvious and sometimes you would talk, you would get the exclamation mark after standing around for a little bit and hearing the NPC dialogue and then you could go in like I guess I, I think I'm just a fan of side quests because it still feels like I'm there's there are stakes to it so even though I would only get like five experience by going back five levels and, and finishing this quest there was still something satisfying in like basically finding it you would earlier go to an area of the map and not really understand why it's there and so the side quests always i found gave context to these areas and i think that's why that's why it felt like there were stakes it was like it allowed you to discover a little bit more uh which i found just there was just like instant gratification which i loved that's that's interesting i i, I never looked at it that way because you're right. It definitely does like flesh out the areas and like makes you look at certain enemies and get certain items. So that definitely is true. And the one thing, I, every map you'd go onto would show the number of treasure chests in the area. And like you said, a big part of the game is just like it, the the way they layer their platforms. Like it's a two D game technically, but they layer the platforms where it shows you how high you are. And if you're on a level, you're on a platform on the second level, there's no way to jump to the third level, but you can see it all right above you. And I thought that was lots of fun. You just spend lots of time just wandering around. And like, I, I love that not all the enemies were hostile right away. So you wouldn't have to get in a battle every time you see them. If you were just looking for treasure, you could do that and not get in this, you know, sort of monotonous battle. And then by setting it up that way, with the enemies not automatically attacking you, there were certain enemies that did. So there were certain certain areas that were just a little bit more dangerous than others, which was a, an interesting dynamic because it it if they felt like absolute pests. The these like under under sand, they were like sand eels of some sort. These little salmon-looking things that would just they're so hard to beat. And you need some Zubats every now and again. Or the or those snowmen that had bazookas. What's that? The the snowmen that had bazookas. Oh, yeah. And, like, they were, like, angry, like, evil Frosty the snowman. Evil Frosty the snowman. And they'd just, like, blast the shit out of me. They would blast you, and then you'd be like, okay, I'm going to get in close. And then they would just, like, sit on you and just absolutely obliterate you. They were... They were tough sons of bitches that's for sure okay i'm gonna get into the other pillar of the game and usually the one i start with is the storyline and the characters and when i was i was sort of uh charting out a plan for this podcast earlier and i was curious if you think we should give spoilers at all to the story or like i feel like anyone listening to this probably knows what happens but there was one twist in particular right in the middle of the game that i totally didn't see coming and i was like man i'm glad i didn't exactly i think like if if people if this is a if we're trying to get people to play it there are certain things that we don't reveal but i i feel like talking about the story it's not like it's not super groundbreaking but it is captivating i find um the one thing i didn't like though was my friends your your companions are just like get away from me get me get me 
get me the cool ones like the french the em- emily the i think she was supposed to be french because she would sometimes she would just speak normally and then sometimes go oh la la or something like every every character had like these little catchphrases <laughs> um and like like the scandinavian guy just went like yarp or something and his name was yearn <laughs> or jorn and uh yeah classic scandinavian classic scandinavian name yorn uh and uh it it just sort of like i was i was annoyed by emily in particular being like so not understanding of my situation being mute and trying to uh trying to communicate still and having somebody be like just spit it out be like aren't you you still don't know that I can't speak, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, so um, really quick off the top, like you are introduced as a person who's lost all their memories. Your name is Leia and you can't talk, but you have someone in your like, uh, I don't know how to describe it, in your uh, periphery, like you can see them in your vision. So his name's Sergey. Wade from... Uh, Sergey Asimov. Wade from Kim Possible. <laughs> Yeah, if you've ever seen Kim Possible, it is Wade from Kim Possible. That's such an easier way to say it. (laughs) And this guy's guiding you. You don't know who he is. You don't know why you know him, but you do trust him. And he's basically like, hey, your voice box is broken, but I uploaded these words for you. So you were able to say like, hi and sorry and like, bye. Which I thought was interesting because normally the lead character of an RPG can never talk and it just is never explained. Or everyone just pretends to know what they're saying, even though they didn't say anything. Whereas this one is like, your character can't talk, and there's a totally valid reason, and it plays into the story heavily throughout the game. It's part of the the general idea of meta in this game, which, if you're not a fan of, of that like self-awareness, I could see it starting to get annoying, because so much of it is just like uh, it, talking about uh, MMORPG tropes and just like rpg tropes in general but i i didn't get tired of it i found i found the story just like incorporating like being in the know of of old rpgs was great so like the idea that your character couldn't speak is an homage to like everyone down to red from pokemon (laughs) where you don't speak and you're you all as a kid i was just like i'm dying to say something here and crosscode conceptualizes that really well with this story mechanic which is that you can't speak and i guess you get you get more revealed the story just gets more and more complicated twisty and turny but the the main concept that you are trying to figure out who you are while your character is trying to figure out who they are is is a lot of a lot of fun and captivating because you just want to find out more, right? Yeah, it is next level, man. Like the fact that we don't want to give up spoilers for a JRPG is crazy. Like normally, mm-hmm. it's like, or, or not even a JRPG. Like most video games. Like if you take a Legend of Zelda, it's like, let me guess, he saves Zelda at the end and kills Ganon. Like it's that's not a spoiler. That's just what the game is. But in this one, like. I didn't see the big twist in the middle happening. I didn't know where how it was going to end. I didn't know it would be a happy or a sad ending. And and like you said, the the meta value in this game is so funny. Like, there's so many moments. Like, I remember you go into this side dungeon for a side quest. And there's like, a uh, you're in a cave. And there's rivers underneath in the cave. And one of your partners that you're with is like, Oh, I, I know you must be wondering, hey, there was a lake just just up in the other area we were in. How could there be rivers running underneath a lake? But, you know, it's just a game. So I guess they didn't think of that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like, OK, well, I wasn't I wasn't thinking why are there rivers here, but I'm glad you brought it up and acknowledged it. Yeah. Or like going to a rainy part and being like, how can it rain on us? But when we jump in the water, we disintegrate. How does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that they would actually bring that shit up. Um, one character who I fucking hated. I'm curious what you thought of him. The green, the grasshead, Apollo, uh, your rival. He's basically, you just brought up Pokemon. This guy's your Gary. Yeah. And he just fucking fucks with you throughout the game. For the most part, until he becomes your ally. Yeah, until he becomes your ally. And for some reason, I respected him more than I respected Emily and that guy with glasses. 
just these like these like annoying like i don't want to be friends with these people i want to join honestly all i wanted to do in the video game was go to rookie harbor and join the plant guys join the people that focus on trees i wanted to just like spend the whole game repairing trees in cross in the yeah. cross world they're essentially greenpeace but they were like good greenpeace you know they were <laughs> they were like everybody else I found that every other guild I went to, I just like I didn't trust their motives and they were super incompetent. But the the going to the to the tree people, they were just like the earth matters and we're super chill. I'm like, yeah, the earth matters and I'm super chill. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, what were we talking about? <laughs> but yeah, Grasshead, I feel like the your main companions in the guild that you're in are grating and annoying. And then I think that the guy with the grass head is funny. I think it's so funny that he's always just like, you're cheating and I'm, I'm righteous. And he has a friend who's just like, "Ugh, why am I even friends with this guy? And when they got to join me, I found that every chance I got, I booted Emily and Citron or whatever his name is, Citron out of my party mm-hmm. and just brought in Grasshead and his and his buddy. They were they were just so much cooler. I, I I appreciated that they were. I felt like they performed at a higher level for me. So no regrets there. I did the same thing, and I and I like I love that it gave you the option. I love when a game can let you do that. It's like I don't like these guys. And by the way, Citron is um he's a character in the game that's basically like your nerd. He's like a canon nerd. And at first he's better at the game than everyone. And then he sort of trails off by himself. And, uh, you know, there's some suspicion there. But when it comes to Apollo is the grass egg guy's name and his buddy. It was sort of like, this is sick. The only thing I hated about him is when the first few times you meet Apollo, he challenges you to these duels. And it's just a straight up like a, apparently you can do this online. I've never tried the online function with crosscode. But it's like a, a one versus one battle. And dude, I don't know about you. He rinsed me every time. Like, <laughs> I, I got fucked up. Yeah, the first time I got absolutely doused. And so I made sure that whenever there was a chance of facing him again, that I was ready. And I never lost to him after that. I, I just like, I found that like, just like, you, you just can't, you can't be on the defensive in these it's so these battles are so crazy because he is just like everywhere and you just have to chance that you're going to hit him with one of your big fire spins or something and then eventually he's he's out so yeah after the first one i learned my lesson i did not want to get rinsed again because that was that was tough that was that hurt because he's an asshole (laughs) i'm jealous dude i just kept getting rinsed so We'll move on to the third, the third uh, pillar of gaming that I've I've dubbed all these again, by the way. But the look and sound of the game. What did you think of these graphics, and what did you think of this soundtrack? Because to me, this was like a Secret of Mana meets sort of like I don't know if you ever played this one, but Ragnarok Online. It, it gave me that immediate. It's sort of like I think, like it was an MMORPG when I was in high school, so probably one of the earlier ones. And the character art's very similar. But more than that, it was Secret of Mana for sure, I felt like was the inspiration for this. Sort of like your classic 16-bit RPG uh, look from like maybe Sony PlayStation 1 era. So like a little bit better than a Super Nintendo. And you have like the classic graphics with like very fluid motion, which is exactly what exactly what I want in a modern indie game. Make it look like uh, my favorite era of games that I just desperately crave but make it feel a little bit better make it feel a little bit more modern and the sound soundtrack I thought was great there were there was a new song for every area it, it really and it had like a, a constant theme that was sort of like classic JRPG with a bit of like cyberpunk uh, undertones you know it's like you're you're very simple uh, Secret of Man and Melodies with a synthesizer in it to make it seem a bit more modern. So, f- like, full marks for me for look and sound. I loved it. Yeah, I agree with the the look especially. They're, man, I don't know what it is. There's not many other mediums. Because if you watch any TV show or movie from the same time period, it looks old. But video games, 
that with like 16 bits they, they found this art style that just will hold up forever like it's so simple it's the only thing i want out of video games now that's i was talking earlier i needed towns i also need these graphics and if they don't look like this i can't get into the game if they try anything different i'm like sorry <laughs> this doesn't look like star star ocean i want games like this or i want them like absolute cutting edge like ps5 new spider-man like yeah either blow my mind or take me back to my childhood but i have no interest in you know the new dragon age dragon quest dragon quest that's it so sort of like a a, a modernized jrpg with like cartoony graphics i don't know what it is but i can't get into that i can't even get into breath of the wild there's just something wrong with it damn i know it's so i i'm so disappointed in myself i know that i i would love that game but it's one that I've put down after dying too many times. And you know how that goes. I pick it up and I'm like, where am I? It's too big. <laughs> I'm lost. <laughs> yeah, more than anything. I don't I don't think there's any other medium where I'm like, this is good, but I don't enjoy it. So I can't play it anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't. It just doesn't like, yeah, there's an objectivity with like good TV and good movies there's still a little bit of subjectivity but if it's good chances are there's a reason why it's like 99 percent on rotten tomatoes because everybody at least likes it doesn't mean they everybody loves it mm -hmm. but with video games if it doesn't if it doesn't grab there's like a i have just like a thick hide where games can't get their hooks in as easily <laughs> I, I i that's that's my problem i just i'm i'm i have this rough outer husk that just doesn't let games in you're like a sand shrew bud i am bud i am a sand or, shrew or a metapod <laughs> and i'm constantly hardening <laughs> uh, it's tough to critique the soundtrack uh but my only critique is that there's nothing super standout remarkable about it like to me it's super everything like you said so the the similar level it's all very good every new level you go to there's a song that will match the tone of the environment but there's also not anything that I remember, like, like I love sometimes when you meet this this new area of a game and it'll hit you with a song you wouldn't expect. Like, I was, I was never caught off guard like that in this game. You know, you're right. It's all just sort of like a nice, uh, like, a nice soundscape. But there isn't, you don't have your Zelda songs that are, like, ingrained in your memory. And I think one of the, one of the reasons for that is that there's so much music. For every different area you go to, you're getting a new song. And maybe there's just less time for it to really sink in. Like like the da 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 like we all know it. We all know it. Like Ocarina of Time songs are just classics. Well and you're right, and it's like, well, what can a game focus on though? Like I I was just praising the storyline moments that like I fully didn't see coming and how you never see that. But it's like, well, I can't expect moments like that and also expect, like, a, a soundtrack that I would actually listen to not playing the game. Like, there's only so many fucking... And, and on top of the leveling system or on top of a bunch of shit. So, like, I, I don't think this section of the game, the look and the sound was its highest point. I do think the story and the gameplay were better, but mm -hmm. those are the bigger areas. So, I mean more power to it right yeah i guess there is sort of, sort of like some sameness with the way it looks and especially the way it sounds but i think like it takes a little back seat a necessary back seat to the rest of what you enjoy like it never detracts which i think is it serves its purpose so well that way you know yeah uh, did you like the world map by the way it sort of looks like the top end of a globe when you go to it yeah it's uh somebody described it in the game as a croissant <laughs> And it is. It's just a croissant. It's exactly shaped like a like a croissant. There's there's no way around it. It totally is a croissant. And the game itself was bigger, but the, I was a bit disappointed by the map because it made it seem like there were going to be more areas. Even a game that I spent 80 hours on, I still wanted more. And so the map made it seem like, oh, I'm like hardly even touching this game. But then you realize, oh, I only have one area left, and that's it. There's, it's that, that. You're so right about that, right? No, it looks like it looks like if it was a globe, like all all the pinpoints are all in Europe or like the top half, and you keep expecting like you're gonna go off to Africa or North America or like somewhere very far away. Like I kept expecting to go to a location that was wasn't close to the other pinpoints on the map. 
and you never do. You never do, which is funny because it's like it's not even a criticism. It's more of a compliment to the game that you want more. Yeah. Even after playing it for so long, right? Like I just wish, like with the there's a, there's an update coming in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I don't know. If, I guess we probably both know that. And you're getting a new area to explore, and I couldn't be more excited because it's just like, oh, one more temple, one more maybe a town. Give me, please, please, please. I want it so bad. Yeah. Um, well, hey. Which again, credit to the game. That brings us into the next uh, or the final section, my fourth pillar of gaming, and this is the one I have a toughest, the toughest time naming or pinpointing because it's that. What is the intangible? specialness like what makes this game great what makes it a classic uh, between something like it that's a classic or something that's just you know a pretty good game that you might revisit one day like like i'll give you an example when we were living together we both played the south park fractured butthole which classic (laughs) name classic great great humor that was a (laughs) and that was a fun game i laughed a lot not an all-time classic I don't think about it often, and I probably won't replay it. This game is, fuck, man, like maybe a top 20 ever. Like, it's really, really high ranking for me. It's definitely in my top five of all time. Like, this is this is one of my... Five! This is one of my favorite games I've ever played. Like, I, I, I don't know if I'm... If I'm being clear enough in my love for it, it was just to me the perfect game. <laughs> it, it, it really was. It was flawless, and it had so much that really dug into me and uh, i guess the it factor is towns <laughs> no i don't know uh i, I just love i love going to town <laughs> i love towns. You love those towns i think maybe it was a game sometimes games can be so big and overwhelming and although there's a lot to discover there isn't that excitement of discovering more so i think one of the ed one of the edges that this game would have and one of the biggest right pluses for me was it makes you yearn for more discovery. You want to see the next town. You want to see the next temple. You want to find out all the little tricks, all the little uh, hidden passageways that you can get through. There's, it just creates this like perfect speed to where you're always wanting to discover the next thing. Uh, so we've listed all the so many positives of it. It's um, it's just a absolutely amazing game. But I think it was that every time I picked it up, I wanted more. And that's something that you don't have with every game. Uh, so that maybe that, that would be mine. Like, that's the, that's the X factor. Yeah, that's, that's what uh, Noble called it last week, the, that it factor, too. But you, you are right. There's something that, um, I don't know, there's something that um, stands out about it in a sense that even when you beat it, I don't know if you got that far, but when you find that final area that's basically just like uh, a giant merchant stand, like a town, and you can level you can level up the previous areas you've been to that match the level to where you are now, and that's just like entirely, if you want to like farm loot and like make your character as good as possible. Yeah. And that, that is, I guess, a bit of an area in the gameplay I, I overlooked for a sec, but the idea that... It's a lot of material, finding materials and synthesizing equipment is the gear of the player. And I love that. I thought like every town having its own market was great. Towns, bud. I thought thought it was very intuitive. It's all about the towns. (laughs) I'm telling you. Yeah. And having New York at the end, it was basically New York. That big town at Mm -hmm. the end is great. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I think like one of my other top, another game of my top five is uh, Star Ocean First Departure. And they had this mechanic where you could take a weapon that you had, maybe it wasn't the best weapon, and a valuable gem, and you could level up your, like, it's some sort of, like, crafting skill. And you don't know exactly what it makes, but you think, this is a valuable gem and a pretty good sword. If I combine these two, what happens? And it either doesn't do anything, makes a bad weapon, or makes a really good weapon. And some of your best armor, your best equipment, can come from just, like, this this mashing up of items so you're always on the lookout for valuable things and so i think that's one of the things that made this game great was that like you know that you want to be just looting everything because the next town you go to could show that if you get certain like valuable items you could make a sword that regenerates 15 percent of your health and does a hell of a lot of damage that just 
makes everything easier. <laughs> and so, yeah, that part of the discovery for me was like incentive. There's an incentive to chop down every tree that you see. There's an incentive to go on a kill streak because the more people you kill, the better equipment you get, the better loot you get in return. So there's just so much incentive in this game that just like drove me crazy not playing it. Yeah, that's a great point. I forgot that that happened in the battle. Like you, the longer your kill streak, you just get more and more and more loot. Um, uh, I I do love it. The the other part about this, I have like it factor slash replayability. Mm. And it, first of all, did you get the per, like the perfect ending? Because I think I missed a storyline plot point. Where basically at the end of the game, if you complete it, you see some sort of final cutscene, which I didn't see. Or you get sent to this like weird purgatory where Leah's basically told like, is this the end of your game? Or do you want to go back and fix some shit? And basically the game's like, yeah, you missed a part of the story. So Oh, I, could al- I almost can't remember what happened. I, I had the ability, maybe I was in purgatory. So... Oh my God, I still have some game to play then. Maybe. I thought it was just the end and I thought it sent you back to chapter 10. So uh, I, 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 I'm not 100% sure. Maybe I got the purgatory. Um, so I guess, I, I, is there just like more with uh, Citron? Because I, I didn't. Yeah, it was, I think so. It's either you go back, which I didn't, by the way, when I was done this game, I had spent, I think, well over 80 hours and I was pretty done playing for a bit um but that's that's the shitty part with new game plus is because it's almost designed for when you finish the game you do it right away and replay on new game plus but i'm so done with the game i don't want to do new game plus but then by time i take my break it goes back to what we said earlier is like i don't remember this i don't remember my stuff and i don't want to do it anymore yeah i don't want to put 70 more hours into this game give me my satisfaction finish it for me i i've worked really hard i've put 80 hours into it please (laughs) but what do we do because we're in the same boat it sounds like what do we do if this expansion comes out and we can't even fucking play it because we got the wrong ending on this game that would be absolute heartbreak if but like talk about maybe the worst business decision of all time (laughs) yeah you could buy it it's a fuck you to half the family (laughs) you gotta earn it it's like no i earned it by working for an hour or whatever (laughs) (laughs) yeah the the hour of my hourly wage earned it (laughs) but but no i i am with you man like i that interests the hell out of me i definitely am gonna play it i'm I'm gonna replay this game at some point i just didn't want to do it right away but i do love this game love it so much really one of the best and maybe the best that i've finished (laughs) some of my favorite games i get to the last boss and uh don't do anything about it well and it's the witcher and nino cooney being cheap among them <laughs> and it's funny because this podcast game of your life um i i don't think like i never asked you what is your favorite game of your life and i'd love to do an episode on whatever your favorite game is eventually but i specifically asked you to do this one because it was like i knew we both just beat this and i knew we probably both just liked it and it's like everyone everyone shits on how bad 2020 was and the games were rocking. There was an all-time high for games. I honestly like maybe AAA games. People want like the big releases, but you and I are just like bargain bin hunters. So for <laughs> yeah. for us it was fine. It was just like, "Oh, this game that's been out for 2 years has dropped $10." Hell yeah. Yeah. Looks new to me. <laughs> we sifted sifted for the gold at the at the bottom. And there was a lot of dirt that got through, but this was definitely a golden nugget, and I'm I'm glad we got to talk about it. You could take the buds out of the basement, but you can't take the basement out of the buds. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> if if ever a way to end a podcast. But before we do go, Matt, I if you have any other plugs that we haven't covered on the show or anything you want to put shout out there, now's the time to do it. Oh, just uh, I mean, my EP has been out for probably like a year and a half now, but. Uh... It's not, uh, it hasn't broken through, so perhaps I could keep plugging it until it does. (laughs) I have an EP called Love Handles, Matt Prince on Spotify, that's Matt Prince with one T. It's an EP about my childhood, kind of, other people's childhoods, just like traumatic childhood experiences in general. Uh, It's super fun, I think it sounds great, and I'm so proud of it. So uh, if you haven't, I would appreciate 
Look up Love Handles on Spotify or wherever you get your music. That's beautiful. And Matt, you are a beautiful singer. Uh, so guys, pick that up. And a beautiful podcaster, Your Bad Childhood with Josh Custodio. Uh, I'm Jordan Ducharme. Listen to Funny Jordan D. Find me on your social medias. Shout out to my lovely girlfriend, Lulu Morial, for producing this thing and easily music if you want to find someone to give you some video game music for your podcast. But that's about all the time we got for tonight. And thanks so much for listening. This has been The Game of Your Life with Matt Prince. And guys, we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening.